On today's episode of the Backseat Coach Podcast, I will be revealing my full preseason top 25 college football rankings as we are just a few days away from kickoff. I'm going to go over my top 10 Heisman candidates for the season, my five boldest takes for the season up ahead. I'm going to tell you what I think the college football playoff is going to look like as well as who I have as a national champion this year. And finally, I'm going to preview the weekend slate ahead as football is officially back on Saturday with week zero. Before we jump into all of that, this episode is brought to you by Run Your Pool, prize picks and chalkboard so thank you for sponsoring the video i will be talking about those more later but let's dive into it let's talk college football because the season is upon us ladies and gentlemen two things i'll mention about the podcast love the feedback i've been getting comment down below any feedback you have people are asking for a co-host i would absolutely love a co-host i just haven't found the right fit so if you have any suggestions of people you see on tiktok or wherever that you think would be a good co-host comment them let me know i will try reaching out and then also Another thing I'm going to try to do is just interviews, try to talk to either college athletes, professional athletes, try to get some interviews in here for segments. I think that'd be a cool way to spice it up as well. So it's not just always just me talking because my throat gets tired by the end of this. It's like an hour and a half of just me talking to a camera and a microphone. So this time I switched things up. I got a cup of tea, nice piping hot tea by my side. So when we get, you know, once halftime's over this episode, we're really digging digging our heels in the third quarter and the fourth quarter and the throat is starting to get too sore. We had the tea to come in as a late game reliever. Also got a water bottle, got it already open as well, because that's just going to be easier, not going to be loud in the mic, but that could spell disaster for all this electronic equipment on the desk. So we'll have to wait and see how that goes. But again, leave any feedback for the podcast you want down below. Once again, I have timestamps for everything I'm going to talk about. So we're going to go through my top 25, Heisman candidates, boldest takes, and each each of those segments are going to take time. So if you just want to quickly jump to something or you want to come back to this and say, hey, what was this Heisman candidates again? Maybe you're here in the future and... October, November, you're gonna be like, dang, he was right on all his predictions. You want to check check all my predictions again? Timestamps in the episode, YouTube description, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever you watch it on, as well as the descriptions in there. You can just jump right ahead to whatever segment you want to listen to specifically. But we got all the clerical work out of the way. Let's just jump into the episode now. I will start off by talking about my top 25 rankings for the college football season. These are my preseason rankings as we head into week zero. Not any top 25 teams playing this weekend. But still, football's back nonetheless. We aren't complainers Complainers here. I have full breakdowns on every team in my top 25. I gave them each a dedicated three-minute video on TikTok. So in this video or in this podcast, I'm going to go through my top 25 and give like two sentences. Going to keep it brief, just talk about each team, why I have them there, what I expect out of them this season. But it's not going to be an in-depth analysis. If you want more of that, I have plenty of videos on TikTok that go over my full breakdown of these college football teams. But before I get into the top 25, I figured, you know what, we're going to start with the top 40. I'm going to show to tell you who 40 through 26 is because these are teams just on the outside looking in. I'm not going to say anything about the teams. I'm just going to detail who my 15 teams are that is right outside the top 25, and then we'll get a little more in-depth to the top 25. But first to mention, I have Wake Forest at 44, and that's purely due to Sam Hartman's injury. Wake Forest, I had them at 21 in my preseason rankings, but I had to shift that up once we heard about Sam Hartman's undisclosed, non-football-related medical condition. So Wake Forest has plummeted down my rankings. Still just such an unknown as we talked about in the previous episode because we just don't know. We just simply don't know what the medical condition is. I've heard rumors saying that he might be back by week two or early in the season, but I haven't seen anything anywhere near confirmed to that. I haven't seen any official news since it officially broke. So we're still waiting to hear what's going on with Sam Hartman. But Wake Forest has to be mentioned there at 44. At 40, I have Mississippi State, 39 Nebraska, 38 Iowa State, 37 Florida, 36 UCF, 35 Minnesota, 34 UCLA, 33 Appalachian State, 32 North Carolina, 31 Kansas State, 30 LSU, 29 Auburn, 28 Tennessee, 
27 BYU and 26 Arkansas. And Arkansas was the most common comment in my threads of my TikTok series where I was revealing my top 25 team by team. Everyone's like, when's Arkansas going to show? When's Arkansas going to show? Spoiler alert, they're not showing. They're number 26 in my rankings. There's a lot of hype coming into the season with them. KJ Jefferson will be a stud. There's a lot of reason people are going to be excited in Fayetteville, Arkansas. But I just still don't have them at top 25 yet. I'm a little, little hesitant on the Razorbacks, but... Let's get into the actual top 25. At number 25, I have Ole Miss. Now, like I said, Wake Forest was in my top 25 and was. And so Ole Miss was initially pushed out of my top 25, but they've been shuffled in. Uh, I think Jackson Dart's going to replace Matt Corral plenty well. I think there's plenty of skill position weapons. And I really think Lane Kiffin is just always going to produce a solid offensive unit. And I think this year will be no different. I don't see Jackson Dart being much of a downgrade at all for Matt Corral. I think he's going to be pretty much equivalent. I still see them having an electric offense, enough to earn number 25 in my rankings. Number 24, I have Mario Cristobal from, uh, or sorry, jumping into the analysis already. Number 24, I have Miami. Mario Cristobal has just transferred over there from Oregon. He's now taking that job, returning home per se. Tyler Van Dyke has Heisman hopes. Miami is just, their fan base is buzzing. This is the most excited I've seen Miami fans in such a long time. Analytics love them. They're highly rated in the top 10 for the College Football Power Index for the first time I've, I've seen. Uh, Miami just has all the hype in the world this season. Will they live up to it? Time will tell, but definitely with Tyler Van Dyke and with Mario Cristobal coming over and getting Manny D- getting the Manny Diaz era over, I haven't, I'm buying into the hype at least enough to put him in my top 25. Number 23, we have one of the teams that was in the college football playoff last year, Cincinnati Bearcats. Yes, they lost Desmond Ritter to the to the draft, but Luke Fickle, I think, is a great coach, and I just have I just have total faith in their rebuild. I think the players that play for him absolutely love him. I think he's a great mind that is surely going to be going to a power five program or the NFL sometime soon, in my opinion. If you don't believe in Cincinnati, though, don't worry. Week one is just going to tell us everything we need to know. They play Arkansas week one, and their college football hopes, if they lose Arkansas, their college football playoff hopes are immediately over. They're not repeating. They're not returning. One loss for a non-power five team is death. They're going to be out of the contention immediately week one. However... If they go on the road to Fayetteville, Arkansas, and win that game in SEC country, a team like Arkansas that is in the top 15 in most people's rankings right now, they will immediately put Cincinnati on the radar. They'll immediately be pushed probably up into the top 15, top 10 in the rankings, and it'll put them right on track for another elite year. So I believe in them to have them at my number 23. If you don't, don't worry. Week one will tell us all we need to know. Another American Athletic Conference team that I actually have ahead of Cincinnati is Houston. I think Houston is going to be super dangerous in the American this season. And the American is going to be a really underrated conference to follow. Obviously, you have the Power Five, and I feel like the American is the best non-Power Five conference. But I think they're going to be just as competitive. And the games and the fight to see who the champion is going to be is going to be arguably more fun than some of the Power Five conferences. I think Houston, SMU, UCF, Cincinnati, and maybe Memphis will all be fighting for the American. And just I just think there's going to be a very exciting year for that conference. I think Houston's offense is going to be incredible. Defense should be strong, so I'm excited to see what the American can do and who's going to come away with that. And number 21 is the Iowa Hawkeyes. And if you're like me and you watch the Big Ten religiously, you would know that just by watching Iowa last year, they didn't they did not pass what college football loves to use the term the eye test. If you watch Iowa play, you would think they're dog water. But they won games, and that's due to good coaching through Kirk Ferentz. I know some of the fan base has a rocky road with him. Their defense was incredibly strong and was able to generate a ton of turnovers. But their offense didn't do them any favors. Their quarterback play was very bad. Their offense would not put up points to save their lives. But again, that just speaks to the coaching, speaks to the defense. Coming into this season, Spencer Petras and Alex Padilla are battling a QB, and I think this is a QB battle that's not going to be done when the season starts. This could They could be flip-flopping throughout the season. 
Um, but last year they forced 31 turnovers on defense. I don't think it's really possible they're going to re repeat that because that's just an incredibly high rate. But I still think their defense will be incredibly strong. So the Iowa Hawkeyes will still once again be a force in the Big Ten West. Number 20, we have the polarizing Texas Longhorns. I think Texas is back. I've been saying that for a couple of years, though, so don't don't take my word for it. I might be just drinking the Kool-Aid once again, but 2021 was just such a weird year. It almost felt like they were tanking at the end of the year, which doesn't make sense in college because it's not like there's a draft or anything. If anything, it's going to deter recruits from coming. But I find B. John Robinson to be the best back in the nation. I think the running game for Texas is going to be incredibly strong. I think Quinn Ears is going to be an upgrade over Casey Thompson and Hudson Card, that you know duo tandem quarterback they played last year. I, I never really liked the flip-flopping between two quarterbacks, which I think Iowa's going to suffer that fate this year. I like when they just can commit to one guy. I think Quinn Ears would be that guy. He still has Hudson Card breathing over his shoulder, whereas Casey Thompson moved on to Nebraska. But Hudson Card, I think, will solidly be the number two. And Quinn Ears, transfer from Ohio State, will take the starting role. Um, but their line play, their trenches play are the biggest question. And obviously their defense, the big 12 is the conference is getting better at defense. Oklahoma is starting to improve on defense. Oklahoma state and Baylor are near elite in terms of defense. And you could almost borderline call them elite, even though Oklahoma state lost a lot of pieces. Texas hasn't caught up there. They, they produce some NFL talent in their secondary, especially, but they, they have not been able to field a solid defensive unit. So they're definitely going to do that. They want to be living up to the hype that everyone has for them this season. Number 19 though, we have my alma mater, the Wisconsin Badgers. Uh, like I said in the last episode, I just I'm just expecting the same old, same old Wisconsin here. I'm expecting average quarterback play at best. I'm expecting elite running back play and incredible offensive line that's gonna probably produce three or four NFL players out of that. I'm expecting a defense to be fast, fly to the ball, not generate a lot of turnovers in terms of interceptions per se, but they're gonna have a swarming defense up front. They're gonna pressure the quarterback, get sacks. Overall, I think the defense is going to be one of the most elite units. Jim Leonard is very soon going to find himself as a head coach of a, an elite program. But I just don't expect anything out of the norm for Wisconsin. I have them at number 19 in my preseason poll. I can imagine they could rank, finish the ranking right around there, just like they seem to always do, just near the bottom of the bottom of the top 25. But speaking of alma maters, the current school I'm going to for grad school, Penn State, is what I have coming at 18. I'm definitely a lot higher on the Nittany Lions than a lot of people are coming into season. Sean Clifford's back. He needs to be more consistent. Speaking of back, James Franklin's back. He inked a huge deal. Everyone kind of thought maybe he's going to USC, maybe he's going to another team. But James James Franklin's back. Sean Clifford's back. Penn State's bringing in great recruits. They have a couple of recruits in the future years that are starting to decommit. So I don't know what's up there. But this season, at least, they have very strong recruits. I think they have all the talent offensively. They have a strong enough core on defense. Matty Diaz is coming over from Miami to be the D coordinator for Penn State. I think Penn State are going to be massively improved this season. I have them as my number 18 squad. Number 17 of the Kentucky Wildcats. So I loved falling Kentucky last year. I think Mark Stoops has his program in such a great spot, playing some of the most competitive ball in terms of football that we've seen from Kentucky as a program in a long, long time. I expect really big things out of Will Levis this season. And I just, I just think the Wildcats in, in general are going to very much, very much so turn some heads in the SEC. I thought they had a great year last year that still kind of flew under the radar nationally. I think this year they're going to even work to improve on that. They've earned my number 17 slot overall. Number 16, though, is Michigan State, the Michigan State Spartans. I think Mel Tucker has been such a good hire for Michigan State. He's got that program firing on all cylinders. The biggest loss from last season for them is obviously Kenneth Walker III. He finds himself in Seattle with the Seattle Seahawks. But it's going to be tough tough shoes to replace. They have transfers coming in from Colorado and Wisconsin to try to fill his shoes. I don't think any of them are going to touch the production that Kenneth Walker had, which means Peyton Thorne is definitely going to have to step up as, as the quarterback of that team. I think the defense will be improved, but their schedule is just real tough. They have road games in Michigan and Penn State. That's going to be real tough to overcome. But they still are coming in at number 16 in my rankings. <clears throat>
Number 15, I have the Oregon Ducks. So Dan Lanning is a new coach. Georgia defensive coordinator won the national championship. He now finds himself leading the Oregon squad since Mario Cristobal has left for Miami. And he's coming into such a great, such a great system and such a great team to be able to come into because Oregon's returning 14 starters. They don't have to play USC this season, who's going to be massively better. They get to play Utah at home this year, hope to avoid embarrassment again. All five offensive line starters are, are coming back. They have a transfer from Oregon or Auburn, Bo Nix coming in at quarterback. Their defense is definitely going to miss Kayvon Thibodeau's pressure abilities, but overall I think Oregon's roster from top to bottom is something that Dan Lanning has got to be ecstatic to, to lead as a team. And the Pac-12 is going to fear, fear that roster from top to bottom. So Oregon's coming in at number 15 for me. Number 14, I have the Oklahoma Sooners. Speaking of coaching changes and just changes in general, Oklahoma is the king program of changes this season. They have Brett Venables coming in, who is the defense coordinator for Clemson. And people would argue, and I think a lot of people would be right who would argue this, that Brett Venables was the best defensive coordinator in the nation. And now he comes over getting his first opportunity as a head coach, uh, coaching Oklahoma. Spencer Rattler has left Oklahoma for University of South Carolina. Caleb Williams took over the starting role for Spencer Rattler last year, and he has left for University of Southern California. So offense will look a lot different. Dylan Gabriel has the reins. I really think this is a future-proofing year in terms of Oklahoma's making the changes, and they're going to start being stronger defensively in terms of recruits and coaching to really help them when they transition to the SEC. I don't know how well it's all going to pan out this year. I don't think their offense is going to be nearly as exciting as the, the Heisman teams of the past, you know, with Jalen Hurts getting Heisman buzz and Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield before him. But I still think they're going to be a very solid crew. You can never count out the team from Oklahoma, the Oklahoma Sooners. So I think they're, they're definitely worthy of the 14th slot. But I'm expecting a little bit of a downtick this season for Oklahoma. The number 13 team I have is the Pittsburgh Panthers. I'm a little higher on Pitt than I believe most people are just simply because they have lost Kenny Pickett to the draft. He's on the Steelers now, and they have lost Jordan Addison, one of the best receivers in the entire nation to go to USC. And those two led the led the Panthers to be the number eight offense in total offense last season in the entire nation. However, they are returning all five starting linemen. They're bringing in Keaton Slovis as a transfer to be quarterback. I think he's going to fill in for Kenny Pickett quite nicely. The biggest hole that they really need to work on filling is that Jordan Addison, though. They... they Lost an absolute elite wide receiver. So if they're able to fill that with some some recruits, some transfers, they could be fine and dandy and come back to another top 10 offensive production year. But Jordan Addison is going to be the biggest loss, I think, for the Pitt Panthers, even more so than Kenny Pickett. Then we'll go to number 12, which is uh, another ACC team, North Carolina State. So Devin Lear at quarterback, I think nationally, is very underrated. He's going to have a great year up ahead. They have a veteran offensive line. And personally, I just find the Wolfpack to be the most well-rounded team in the entire ACC. Clemson clearly, I think, has the most talent, the best recruits, so overall just most flashiest players. But I think well-rounded, top to bottom on their roster in terms of coaching as well as the players. North Carolina State, I think, is just a very efficient and well-rounded team. Speaking of well-coached, though, number 11, I have the Baylor Bears. Reigning champions of the Big 12, Dave Aranda has just turned this Turn this team around immensely, and he has been so successful as a head coach so far for the Baylor Bears, coming as the defensive coordinator for LSU when they won the national title, and before that, leading some of the best defenses in the nation as Wisconsin's defensive coordinator. Blake Shapin should, be, should still be the starting quarterback. He took over the starting role for, from Jerry Bohannon last year. Um, they lost Taquan Thornton to the NFL, so much like Pittsburgh, Baylor has some wide receiver produc production they're going to have to re reload on. Um, but the defense has a lot more holes in it than their offense. But that, this is where Dave Aranda shines. This is bread and butter. He's a defensive coach, so I have a lot of faith in them to be able to get their new new defensive look whipped into shape and, and ready for the season, ready for another strong year in the Big 12. 
Heading over to the West Coast now, number 10, I have USC, uh, the USC Trojans. So Lincoln Riley left Oklahoma. He's now coming in, and he's bringing his star Heisman contender quarterback, Caleb Williams, with him. And we also mentioned Jordan Addison just a minute ago. He's coming over from Pitt, one of the best receivers in the nation. So they have one of the best quarterbacks in the nation, one of the best receivers in the nation, and one of the most successful coaches in the nation in, in the last decade. So USC obviously has a lot of things to be excited about. I don't think everything's going to be fixed just in one season. They're not going to go from this mediocre, underperforming team to all of a sudden competing for national championships, especially defensively. They have a lot of shoring up to do. But clearly their offense is going to be one of the most electric in the entire country this season. And I think they're going to turn heads. I think they will immediately come in and be very competitive in the Pac-12. I don't see them making the Pac-12 championship game. But USC is going to be, quote-unquote, back in terms of being a threat to win the Big 12 or the Pac-12 and be a powerhouse once again. Before, of course, so they're going to be they're going to become a powerhouse in the Pac-12 for two years and then head to the Big Ten, obviously, because they're, they're, they're dishing the conference. The conference of champions is losing USC and UCLA. Now we're breaking into single digits. Number nine, I have Oklahoma State. They had an incredible defensive showing in 2021, one of the best defenses in the entire country. However, they've lost a lot of that defense to the draft, graduation, their defensive coordinator has moved on from one OSU to another. He has now finds himself as a Ohio State's defensive coordinator. So they've lost a lot of pieces on defense terms, both coaching staff and the players. So that was their strong suit last year. So they're really going to have to clean that up. And that's also going to put more pressure on Spencer Sanders because he, I think, I personally see elite potential in Spencer Sanders. His stats don't necessarily back that up. But when I watch him just via the eye test, I find him to be an elite quarterback talent. He definitely absolutely needs to clean up his struggles with turnovers. But I think he will take that next step this year, and he's going to have to if Oklahoma State's going to want to return to any semblance of success they had last year because their defense, while I think they'll still be strong, they're not going to be as good as last year. And last year, Spencer Sanders turned the ball over a ton, and the defense was able to clean that up by strong play. Spencer Sanders is not going to have that much of a safety net this season, so he's going to have to really clean his play up, and I think if he does, Oklahoma State could be, could be smooth running once again. Another orange team we got at number eight, the Clemson Tigers. And DJ Ugalele, I see a lot of similarities to him and Spencer Sanders, although I think DJ Ugalele is just a little bit higher level in terms of talent. But DJ is an incredible talent. And the problem is he also struggled with turnovers, though. And last year, Clemson was the last place in the ACC in terms of passing efficiency, so DJ Ugalele has a lot of cleaning up to do there. But overall, if he can play better, much like if Spencer Sanders can play better at Oklahoma State this season, I mean, hey, Clemson was 10 and 3 last season, which is a downturn for Clemson, I get it. But they were 10 and 3 with the worst passing efficiency in the ACC. So if you can clean that passing efficiency up even a little bit, if DJ Ugalele can protect the ball even a little bit, if he can play even a little bit better at quarterback, the ACC championship is not only on the table, but so is coming back to college football playoffs. So Clemson has the depth, they have the talent, they have the trench play on defense. They have just talent all around at the skill positions. Look out for Clemson this season. Dabo Sweeney is going to come back with a vengeance this year. They don't want a cheesy bowl championship. They want a college football playoff championship. Number seven, we got Jimbo Harbaugh and the Michigan Wolverines. And, man, that's, that's my favorite thing about following the Michigan Wolverines is just how public perception has changed of Jim Harbaugh. I've always been a Jim Harbaugh guy. I've been a huge fan of him even when he was at San Francisco for the 49ers. And I've been giving him the benefit of the doubt in Michigan but it seemed like everyone I talked to, everyone who was my friends or people on the internet or uh, talk show hosts and pundits, all were just so down on Jim Harbaugh before last year. Then, of course, they beat Ohio State. Oh, they, they kind of found the golden goose that they weren't able to get for so long. Then they take that and win the Big Ten. They beat Iowa. 
in, in massive, like, unbelievable fashion. Gets them in a slot in the college football playoff. They didn't succeed there, but hey, Michigan took massive steps as a football program last season, and Jim Harbaugh's public perception has changed immensely. They lost Aiden Hutchinson on defense. They lost their defensive coordinator as well. The majority of their corner coverage is gone as well. So Michigan has a lot of pieces to fill on defense. But I think their offense will be very strong this year. They have J.J. McCarthy and Cade McNamara battling it out quarterback. I feel like, personally, I think J.J. McCarthy sounds like he's starting to edge out for the starting role, but I don't know. I'd have to dig a little deeper into Michigan's camp for that one. But Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards at running back will be a very strong running back room. And their and the receiver room is going to be incredibly deep. So offensively, I think they're going to be great next year. Defense are some questions, but Michigan's going to be uh, another force in the Big Ten and the Big Ten East for sure. Number six at the Utah Utes. So Utah has been just a strong team for years, but finally I think they've just turned turned that corner and they're now considered to be a national elite team. I think sometimes those Pac-12 teams get a little lost in the national spotlight because people on the East Coast are all sleeping by the time USC and U- USC and Utah would kick off or something like that. But I really like Cameron Rising this season as a dark horse for the Heisman. I think they have a, maybe the best tight end room in the country at Utah. They're returning five members of their back seven of their defense, so really going to be good against pass this season. Hopefully they can generate pressure up front and stop the run. They do start the season, so much like how I was talking about Cincinnati, if you're not a believer in Cincinnati, uh, don't worry, week one will tell you everything you need to know. That's a little bit similar here for Utah. I don't think Florida is nearly the same level as Arkansas, but Utah goes on the road to Gainesville, Florida, SEC country week one to play the Florida Gators. So any doubts you have about Utah, you'll you'll get a better picture than week one. If they blow out an SEC team, everyone in the nation is going to immediately have their jaw dropped. Utah catapults in the top five. They lose that game. Yeah, I think it's going to be Oregon or USC. Then they're going to be battling it out for the for. Uh, they're going to be battling it out for the Pac-12 championship. So we'll really have to see how Utah does against Florida. I'm really excited to see that game. We are now down to the top five. And I think top five means it's pause break time for some tea. You know, you got to, the throat's not feeling sore yet, but you got to be preemptive. You got to attack preemptively. You got to prepare before the game plan, before the, before the game plan starts going to shit. All right, we're teed up. And number five of the Notre Dame fighting Irish. So... They're replacing Jack Cohn at quarterback, which I don't think it's a massive loss. I'm obviously a Wisconsin fan, so I've gotten plenty of Jack Cohn in my experience in, in my lifetime. I've watched too much Jack Cohn play, you could say, because he was Wisconsin's quarterback before transferring to Notre Dame after freshman Graham Mertz took his job. And I don't even want to talk about Graham Mertz right now. Let's not go there. I'm in a good mood tonight. I'm happy. Don't make me talk about Graham Mertz. But losing Jack Cohn is going to be much of a blow. What is going to be a huge blow for Notre Dame is losing Kyle Hamilton, one of the funnest defensive players to watch in the entire nation last year. But I still expect the Irish to be very strong this season. Tyler Tyler Buechner and Drew Pine are going to be battling it out for the starting role at quarterback to replace Jack Cohn. I think running backs Chris Tyree and Logan Diggs are going to provide an excellent rushing attack for the Irish. And overall, they're always a strong team. They obviously lost their coach to go to LSU. But overall, I think Notre Dame... They're an elite program. I think they're going to be a top 10-ish team once again for most of the year. However, they do have a very, very tough schedule, um, which it kind of always happens when you're an independent team because you get to, every game you have to schedule is an out-of-conference game because you're not in the conference, obviously. So they have games like USC on their schedule. They have Clemson. They have Ohio State. So those are very hard games that can win one or two of those. They're going to be a top 10, top 5 team because I think the rest of the games are very winnable to get nine wins. But the question is those three games, USC, Ohio State, and Clemson, will Notre Dame be able to push for those? We'll find out week one once again when Notre Dame faces Ohio State, which is going to be just an all-time clash. But we'll see. I just think the other nine games on their schedule 
are not against great uh, out-of-conference teams. They're still fine matchups, but none of them are going to be top 25 teams. So if they don't win any of those three games, I don't think they're going to make the top 25. If they can win those – if they can win one or two, they'll be a top 10 team. If they can win all three, obviously they're going to the college football playoff. So we'll really have to see with Notre Dame. We'll also be talking about Notre Dame again later in the podcast. I'm talking about my boldest takes for the season. But number four, I have Texas A&M. Maybe the most hype going into a season, although I think Texas fans and Miami fans are louder in terms of their hype. But Texas A&M is definitely getting the most national hype because, I mean, hey, they got the number one recruiting class in the nation. Eight five-star commits in the 2022 football class coming in this season. That is the same amount as Alabama and Georgia combined. This this incredibly talented group is going to be led by quarterback Max Johnson. And ultimately, we just have to see his Aggie Nation going to live up to the hype. I'm a Texas fan. So therefore, I'm anti-Texas A&M. So maybe I'm throwing in a jinx. Maybe I'm trying to add to the hype so when their downfall comes, it can feel a little sweeter. But hey, they definitely deserve number four in my preseason top 25 rankings with the amount of recruits they have coming in and joining an already very talented crew. We'll see how Jimbo Fisher and the Aggies can do this season. But I don't know. I'm kind of low-key hoping for the downfall. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. They do have a very easy schedule this season, though. They get to avoid Alabama, or they, they don't have to play both Alabama and Georgia this season. So getting that off your SEC schedule is definitely a, a big positive. But speaking about Georgia, we have them at number three, or I have them at number three. There's no we. This is all me here. Three Number three is Georgia. Reigning, defending, national champions, once again, should be a dominant force. They had one of the best defenses last year that I've ever seen, that anyone's ever seen statistically in terms of college football history. Just incredible defensive play. It'll be really interesting to see how they're going to be able to rebuild and fill those holes that are now empty coming into this season defensively. Offensively, QB Stenson Bennett's going to be returning. He's going to have the reins of that offense. And then running back Kendall Milton's going to be returning, looking to build this Bulldog offensive attack into something just as strong as last season and hopefully get them back to the college football playoff. But Georgia's a team that no matter how good or bad their offense is, their defense is still the lifeblood of their team. So they got some rebuilding to do, but I fully expect the Georgia Bulldogs to have a fantastic defense once again. Number two, I have Ohio State. The Ohio State Buckeyes are my second-ranked team going into the preseason just because, and actually to level with you, I had I had my top 25 of the preseason made three weeks ago maybe. I'm just revealing it now. And for the past 20, 20 days out of the 21 days, I had Ohio State at three, Georgia at two. But simply Ohio State's team is just too exciting for me this season. I'm putting them at number two. They had to move up. Returning C.J. Stroud, who is the Heisman favorite, they're returning Travion Henderson, who's also a Heisman contender, who's one of the best running backs in the nation. I put him in my top three running backs in the nation. They're returning Jackson Smith and Jigba, who is an elite wide receiver. Their wide receiver room in general from top to bottom is absolutely incredible. Returning their entire off- or returning most of their offensive line, Oklahoma State's defensive coordinator who had an elite season is coming over to be their defensive coordinator. Ultimately, there's just way too much to be excited about for the Ohio State Buckeye program. There's not much to be down about, not much to be worried about. I expect Heisman contenders up and down their offense. I expect an undefeated year in the regular season for them, and I absolutely have expectations of them being in the college football playoff, no questions asked. Another team that I have no questions asked going to the college football playoff is my number one team, which is Alabama Crimson Tide. They're going to be deadly this season. They're going to be lethal. They're returning Heisman winning quarterback Bryce Young. They have ample weapons for him to throw to in the air. They have ample weapons on the ground as well, and I think their running game actually is going to shine even more this year than last year, which is why I'm kind of down on Bryce Young for the Heisman, not only just because I don't really believe in back-to-back Heisman winners, but also because I think this running game 
with Jameer Gibbs transferring over from Georgia Tech and Jace McClellan returning from injury. I think the rushing attack for Alabama is going to be a lot better this season and going to take some of the pressure off of Bryce Young. Defensively, linebacker Will Anderson Jr. is one of the most lethal defenders in the entire nation, and he has big-time NFL upside. Kyle Hamilton was my favorite defender to watch last year. I mean, Kayvon Thibodeau and Aiden Hunter were elite as well, but Kyle Hamilton was so fun to watch. This year, Will Anderson Jr. is going to be the defensive show to be keep your eyes on. Such a fun player to watch, but there you have it. My top 25 rankings, actually my top like 44, because I gave you my 40 through 26, as well as telling you Wake Forest at my 44. Comment down below or comment in any of my TikTok videos what you think about this top 25, where you would change things, who do I have overrated, who, I, who do I have underrated. I want to make this collaborative. I don't want to just be me as a pundit talking in, into this microphone and have you think that just because I bought a microphone and a webcam, it makes me some expert. I'm not. I'm just a college football fan that follows it heavily. So let's, keep, let's make this conversation two-way. Let me know what your thoughts are on the top 25. But next, we're going to jump into my Heisman candidates. But first, let's hear from Run Your Pool. And I need you to listen up here because week zero is starting in just two days from now. And my pool kicks off for that for college football. I also have NFL pools, which you have a couple more weeks for. But the winner of my pools on Run Your Pool will be receiving a jersey of their choice, NFL, NBA, you name it. But let's get into the ad read. But just make sure you keep your eyes perked. Don't just tune out this ad read like most people do because I want you to join my pool because it's free to join it and you have a chance to win a jersey and you need to get in before the college football season kicks off. Do you think you're better than your friends at picking the winners every NFL Sunday or college football Saturday? With pick and pools, fantasy pools, survival pools, squares, and more, Run Your Pool is the premier place to run your online sports pools to see who is the best in your friend group, family, or best in the office at picking winners each and every week. Right now, I am hosting, listen up, an NFL and college football pick and pool, as well as an NFL survivor pool on Run Your Pool, which are all 100% free to join, like literally no strings attached. Just join from the links. And the winner will receive a custom jersey of their choice. So three jerseys total, one for each pool. If you're watching this on YouTube, go to links down below in the description. And if you're audio only, visit Backseat Coach on TikTok or Instagram to find links to join for a chance to win one of these free jerseys on my free to run, free to join, run your pool, pick them pools and survivor pools. Really look forward to competing with you all. Week one isn't for another week for college football, but week zero counts. Week zero matters. We are big fans of week zero here on the Backseat Coach podcast. And that's kicking off in just a couple days, so make sure to get your picks in. Make sure you join the pool for a chance to win a jersey. Now, actually, you know what? Tea break for the Heisman candidates. Let's, let's take a nice sip of tea. All right. Heisman. Let's talk about the Heisman, the granddaddy award in college football that's starting to become more of a popularity contest of who's the best player on the best team as opposed to just the best player in the nation overall. But let's dig into that actually a little bit more. I did a full TikTok breaking this down, but for any of you who missed it or just to refresh you, this is how you can narrow down Heisman candidates pretty well, which is why my top 10 down below will follow suit with this and kind of make more sense. So Heisman quarterback, for the, we're going to talk about modern college football history, and this might even be going too, fa- too far back to consider quote-unquote modern, but since the year 2000, I pulled these statistics, statistics from. So the Heisman winners from the year 2000 to the year 2022. 82% have been quarterbacks, 14% have been running backs, and 4% have been wide receivers, just the one being Devonta Smith. So quarterback heavy award. Conferences, there's not really much of a massive trend. SEC has 36% of the winners, Big 12, 27% of the winners, especially more recently with Oklahoma's Heisman success. Pac-12 is 18% of the winners, although it's heavily skewed to the early 2000s when USC was a dominant force cranking out Heisman contenders. ACC is 14%, and by far the lowest is Big Ten at 5%. But again, I don't see anything massively indicative there. It's just 
just kind of matters. It's just all about who's who's I guess is the dominant conference. SEC's been dominant conference for longer. Pac-12 used to be, but I don't see any massive trends there. This is where the big trend comes into play that really eliminates most of your favorite players. So when you come in your com- your comments and you say, "What about this guy? What about this guy? What about that guy?" This is where a lot of your players are going to get eliminated. 100% of the Heisman winners since 2000 have been on a top 25 team. 95% of winners of the Heisman since 2020 or since the year 2000 have been a top 15 team. 77% have been a top five team and 32% have came from the national champion. So if you are not an elite, and I mean elite, likely a top 10 program, you're not going to have a chance to Heisman. You have to be the best player on your team and you have to be a top 10 program for that season for a very likely chance of winning Heisman. And then just, just above that even further, 77% of Heisman winners made it to the championship game for their conference and 73% of Heisman winners won their conference championship. So you got to be dominant in your conference. You got to be a dominant team, top 10-ish team. You're going to probably have to be a quarterback unless you're an exceptional, exceptional running back. And I mean, we have seen some insane running back numbers. We've seen Jonathan Taylor, Kenneth Walker III, Melvin Gordon, some great running back performances that haven't won the Heisman. So it's really skewed towards quarterbacks. And the conference doesn't matter as much. So that eliminates a ton. So now here's my top 10 Heisman candidates. So at 10, and this is what this why it's at 10 is because it fits all the bills in terms of quarterback and However, it's a team that a lot of people think is overrated. I don't blame them, but Quinn Ewers is my number 10. I'll just, I'll just bite the bullet. I'll just say it. Quinn Ewers, the quarterback for Texas, I have as my number 10 candidate. I don't think he's going to be the best player on his team, but if Steve Sarkeesian wants an electric offense and their defense ends up really slacking this season, they need to rely heavily, more heavily on the passing attack, then Quinn Ewers will take over. He'll be the shining star for the Longhorns. I have him at number 10. Number 9, and again, don't get too hung up on these because num- my top 6 uh, top eight, actually. I'll say my top eight are my true elite contenders who I actually believe are Heisman contenders, whereas nine and ten are just kind of more wild cards. But number nine, I have Spencer Sanders. He has looked very shaky in his collegiate career, but I think Oklahoma State is a good enough team to give him the opportunity to be leading a conference-winning team. And I think if he makes that next step in his development, he could absolutely be a Heisman contender, but that's a big if. He's got to make take that next step, I know. But now we're getting into the top eight, which I truly think are my true, true contenders. But before that, Number 10, Quinn Ewers, is plus 2,800 odds of winning the Heisman. So if you put down $100, you'll win $2,800 if I'm winning. Number nine, or number nine, Spencer Sanders, is plus 8,000. So drop $100 on him, you'll get 8,000 back. Number eight, I have Travion Henderson. I think he's a top three running back in the nation. I have, uh, have uh, Bijan Robinson, Travion Henderson, and Deuce Vaughn as my top three. I think Ohio State will throw the ball a lot, which is why I have him so low at number eight. He's a plus 4,000 favorite. But I just think with Jackson Smith and Jigbo, with C.J. Stroud, they're going to throw the ball too much for Travion Henderson to get enough shine in that offense. But he's such an elite talent on a team that has national championship expectations. So I think he absolutely has to be considered in in anyone's top 10. Number seven, though, at Bryce Young, he's plus 350. He's the second highest favorite to win the Heisman this season. But I have him so low because, one, there's only been one ever person to win back-to-back Heismans. And when you think about that, that's just such a generational, once-in-a-lifetime, like crazy thing that happens. I don't look at Bryce Young and see that generational talent, that never-before-seen insane talent that we just deserves a back-to-back Heisman. But on top of that, like I talked about, I was talking about Alabama. With Jameer Gibbs and Jason McClellan, I just think there's going to be more of a rushing attack for Bama this season. Not going to put as much pressure on Bryce Young. So I, I just don't think he's going to get as much opportunity to be a Heisman this upcoming season. 
Number six, though, I have Cameron Rising, and he's a dark horse. I have he's at plus eight thousand odds, but I still think that Utah will be in the in position, and again, we'll find out week one against Florida, to maybe even run the table, and go undefeated, win the Pac-12 title, and make their way into the college football playoff. So if they make it to the college football playoff, they have plenty of opportunities to get a Heisman contender thrown into the mix. And Cameron Rising, if they make the college football playoff, or at least just win the Pac-12 will be the driving force behind that. So I have Utah and Cameron Rising as my number six Heisman candidate this season. Number five, I have Bijan Robinson. I have him as my number one running back in the nation. Yes, people can be down on Texas. Yes, people can doubt Texas. But simply, I feel like the best running back in the nation always has to be under consideration for winning the Heisman. I know it's relatively rare, 14% in the modern football era. But you got to throw the name out there for the number one running back. And I think Bijan Robinson is just a tank. He reminds me a lot of Saquon Barkley in terms of just being a huge, massive muscle that can break tackles while also being so elusive and talented on his feet and pat and catching the ball as well. I expect big things out of B. John Robinson this season, especially if Texas is able to control the ball a little more on defense and and engage in more time time of possession, burn the clock more on offense, and be able to run the ball more with Bijan, which is what they strayed away from last year. I hope they've learned from that and give the give the rock to Bijan more. Number four of Dylan Gabriel, Oklahoma over the past decade has just been a Heisman factory in terms of quarterbacks. Pretty much every quarterback in Oklahoma over the past decade has been a Heisman candidate, if not a winner. But he doesn't nearly have as much hype as, you know, Jalen Hurts did, as Spencer Rattler did, Caleb Williams, um, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray. So the hype's not as much there. He's still a plus 3,000 favorite. By the way, B.S. Robs is plus 2,000. And I think I think a lot of people are just overlooking Dylan, Dylan Gabriel. I can see potentially why just because Brett Venables is more defensive minded and he just doesn't have that hype behind him. But I think Dylan Gabriel just simply as being an Oklahoma quarterback of a team that has big 12 championship aspirations has to be on your radar for the Heisman. Speaking of Oklahoma quarterbacks, Caleb Williams is plus 700. I have him at number three. He's the man that Dylan Gabriel will be replacing as Caleb Williams is now in USC. And as I mentioned, I think USC is going to be one of the most electric passing attacks in the entire nation. I'm so excited to finally see them play ball with Lincoln Riley, Jordan Addison and Caleb Williams. He's going to have all the talent in the world behind him at wide receiver. He's going to have a better receiver room than he did at Oklahoma. And I, I just think Caleb Williams is going to have an absolutely elite season, but I'm worried that USC won't be a good enough team in terms of actually being a college football playoff team or being maybe they've let up lose some games against Oregon or Utah. I have them. Yeah, actually, hold on. Let me check. Sorry, I just can't get can't get over that. What is, what is USC's schedule again? Let me just pull that up. USC, where did I have them losing? They have some tough games, I know. They have Notre Dame on their schedule, and then they have Utah, but they miss Oregon. Okay, so yeah, I, I didn't want to just spew something wrong. So they have tough games against Utah. They have tough games against Notre Dame. If they lose both of those, I don't know if they'll end up in the top 15 rank to be able to get Caleb Williams a Heisman, but he's still going to be elite talent. He's definitely going to be on your radar. Number two, I have kind of a dark horse in terms of people's perception, but he's plus 2,500, so not terrible odds to win the Heisman. It's DJ Ugalele. It... <laughs> He's no Deshaun Watson. He's no Trevor Lawrence. And he has a lot of improvement to do, but Clemson this season is clearly going to be in the position to try and fight for a college football playoff slot. So the opportunity will be there for DJ Ugalele. Dabo knows that DJ Ugalele put them in a lot of rough positions last season with all the turnovers, so he's going to want them to clean that up. I have faith in him to take a massive leap forward this season. I think Spencer Sanders also takes that leap, but I think DJ Ugalele massively takes that leap. He's going to turn some heads this year. I have DJ as my number two Heisman favorite, but number one, who is the betting favorite as well as my favorite at plus 200, which is just crazy odds with the Heisman. You put 100 bucks down, you're only getting 200 bucks to bet on the number one player in college football. But CJ Stroud, 
just has too many weapons around him. Travion Henderson's great receiving back too. So Travion Henderson, every pass catching touchdown that Travion Henderson gets to bolster his Heisman is right there for CJ Stroud. This passing touchdown for him. You got Jackson Smith and Jigbo is going to be catching his passes. Who's going to be an elite receiver as well as just a deep receiver room. CJ Stroud's great on his feet. He's multi-talented. Ohio State, I think, will go undefeated and make cultural playoff. Every single box that you look to tick for a Heisman, CJ Stroud ticks it. That's why he's my number one favorite to win the Heisman. But there's my top 10. Let me know where you disagree. Let me know your what ifs. People always are in my comments saying, what about KJ Jefferson? You know, maybe Jackson Dart. What about, let's see, who else do people always say? Will Levis. What about Tyler Van Dyke? What about JT Daniels? And it's like, I just don't see them as being top 15 programs this year, which is going to hold them back from being a Heisman contender or true Heisman contender. Great players. The team's success isn't there. All right, before we get into my boldest takes of the season, my college football playoff preview, let's hear from PrizePix. So PrizePix is a daily fantasy sports platform that allows you to create entries on virtually any prop, from hoping there's no run score in the first inning of the New York Mets game to predicting if Aaron Rodgers is going to throw for more than 4,000 yards this season and everything in between. Now, PrizePix is legal in most U.S. states as well as Canada, and it's the best legal way to place player props in normally restricted markets like California, Florida, and Texas. So this is 100% legal. And these markets that are normally restricted for, for online sports betting, it's open for prize picks. It is just you versus projections to see if you can score big. Today, you can join prize picks using promo code BACO. That's B-A-C-O. And you will receive a 100% deposit match up to $100. I know me and my friends use prize picks every single day. And personally, love playing the no runs in the first inning and over under on the strikeouts props. But I know when the NFL and college football season starts, which Saturday week zero is coming. I'll be taken to an absolutely whole other level, and I'm so excited to finally be betting on football once again. It's code BACO, that's B-A-C-O, on prize picks to receive 100% deposit match up to $100. And it's time to talk about the boldest takes of the season, but first we're going to take a sip of the boldest tea of the podcast and keep that gullet in peak condition as we keep wrapping up this podcast. We're not wrapping up. we still got quite a bit more content to get through. My five boldest takes this season. And the main reason like I'm talking about all this on my podcast, A, is just it's interesting to hear what other people's opinions are going to the college football season. But B, I want to have this documented. When, they, when these things happen, when these bold takes happen, if they happen, I want to have them documented so I can kind of pin them up on my wall and say like, hey, good job, Tyler. You thought of this and you were right. Number five, my boldest take, we're going from like least hot take to most hot take. Number five, USC fully clicks under Lincoln Riley. And Caleb Williams leads them to an 11-1 season and the USC Trojans finish in the top 10. My number four bold take. Notre Dame loses all three of those games against Ohio State, Clemson, and USC. And the Fighting Irish finish the season not in the top 25. That's a lot bolder take than number five, I think. Number three. Arkansas disappoints majorly and does not live up to expectations and finishes 6-6 six and six this season after Cincinnati beats them in week one. Same Cincinnati beats them week one, and I think it was what the borderline of pushing this to a number three take. Otherwise, it would have been number five, saying don't live up to expectations. Uh, still a bold take, but I think the other two might be bolder. Number two, Penn State has a major comeback season and goes 11-1, and one, and James Franklin and Sean Clifford look like they're back and better than ever. And my number one bold take, and if you've been following my TikTok account for long enough, you know this is coming. The Texas Longhorns win the Big 12 championship and finish the season in the top 10. Quinn Ewers, B. John Robinson, Steve Sarkeesian, they fight for 10-2 and two or 11-1 and one record. I think they're for sure losing to Alabama. 
But with that mass, with that difficult Big 12 schedule, I think they're going to lose only one game there, make the Big 12 title game, and win that championship game. They're going to have two losses on their resume, though, so they're not going to be pushing for college football playoff. But my number one bullish take is Texas wins the Big 12 and finishes in the top 10. Let's use these bold takes and then transition into my college football playoff predictions, which feature three bold, non-bold takes and one maybe bold take, but not really. My, my college football playoff predictions are pretty tame here. So, and, and the one seed, I have Alabama. I just see them going wire to wire this year as the best team in the nation. Number two, I have Ohio State. I think there's really no weaknesses here. I see just everything on the up and up. Their skilled positions are just unmatched in the entire nation. They're my number two team. Once again, I see another SEC team with Georgia. Two SEC teams going to be in there. I have Georgia at number three. I think the defense is going to be very strong. Sesson Bennett, Kendall Milton should be great on offense. And my number four team, I have the Utah Utes led by Cameron Rising. So I think Pac-12 will finally throw another team into the mix for the for the college football playoff. I don't see a Big 12 team making it happen. I just think they're all going to cannibalize each other this year to get to two losses with Baylor, Texas, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Kansas State, you name it. are all going to infight with each other to get to two losses, which will keep them out of the Big 12 or keep them out of the college football playoff. I don't see any group of five teams like Cincinnati or or Notre Dame, which isn't group of five, they're independent, or another independent like BYU. I don't see any of them pushing for the college ball playoff. The ACC, I think, has the closest next one. I think Clemson could potentially be pushing for for that four slot as well. I think it'll be between Clemson or Utah for getting that four slot. I don't see any two teams in the Big Ten making it. So I see Alabama one, Ohio State two, Georgia three, Utah four. And I see Ohio State beating Georgia, Alabama beating Utah. So it's Alabama versus Ohio State in the national championship. And I have the Alabama Crimson Tide winning this year. I think Ohio State's actually a more talented team, but I think Nick Saban has the coaching edge there. And I have Alabama once again winning a national championship this season, adding another ring to the collection for Nick Saban. One thing I want to mention, though, could there be three SEC teams in the college football playoff? Could there be the unthinkable three SEC teams in the college football playoff? Let's talk about it for a second. Because in the west of the SEC, you have Texas A&M, and Alabama, and in the East, you have Georgia. So I have, let's look at their schedules. First off, Alabama. I have Alabama this season going undefeated. I have them going 12-0. and 0. Um, Texas will be a test. The SEC schedule is always a test, but they avoid Georgia in the regular season, and I think they'll beat Texas A&M in week six. So Texas A&M and Texas are really the only teams I really see them giving a push. And honestly, I don't even see Texas giving them a push. I see Texas A&M maybe, but that game's in Tuscaloosa. So I have Alabama going 12-0. So undefeated, 12-0, SEC championship winner. Alabama makes college football playoff. There's one SEC team. Now let's look at Georgia. They don't have to play Alabama in the regular season, but they also don't have to play Texas A&M in the regular season. They have a very favorable schedule. They only have four away games. I have them losing the SEC title to Alabama, but as a 12-0 team losing the SEC championship game, I think they'll still be in the college football playoff with only one loss being the SEC title game. So Alabama, Georgia, two SEC two SEC teams. Now, Texas A&M is where you got to hold on to your hat a bit because a lot of people think they're overhyped, but the recruits give them enough reason to have reasonable hype. But Texas A&M has a pretty favorable out-of-conference schedule. They'll pick up a game against Miami, which will help bolster their strength schedule. They have to play Alabama, but they don't have to play Georgia. I have Texas A&M going 11-1 this year, but since Alabama's in their, in their side of the conference, they're going to be runner-up in SEC West. But would an 11-1 Texas A&M team potentially make it in over say a Clemson 10 and 2 ACC championship winner or a Utah 10 and 2 ACC or Pac-12 championship winner would Texas A&M as 11 and 1 team not making that C championship game get a slot and be a third SEC team in the college football playoff over 
another conference winner if they if they had two losses. That's a question. I'm throwing it out there. People t- thought it was crazy to have two teams in the same conference. Trust me, if Texas A&M lives up to hype, you will hear people talking about three teams in SC being in the college football playoff. Hold on to your hats. That would be absolute mayhem. That would be terrible for the brand of college football, in my opinion. But hey, based on their three schedules, it could absolutely happen. So don't be surprised if you hear that buzz. Speaking of hearing things, if you hear thunder, it is thunderstorming. It is monsoon season in Arizona right now, so it is absolutely downpouring outside, I imagine. But we are now at the time. I need to stop doing the quick. I need to stop doing the inhale and the butt. That's my own review on the film. Review on the game tape in the middle of the game. Before we get into the weekend slate of college football, which is week zero, it's a light slate, but it's a slate we love. We we we're not we're not fanatics about size here. All size matters. Before we preview that, let's talk about Chalkboard, because Chalkboard is a social platform for sports communities where each community has its own board with different channels, allowing me and anyone else that joins my community to chat and discuss in real-time sports news, scores, bets, and more. Chalkboard is the absolutely best way to engage with your favorite sports creators, like myself, and their community, and it is 100% free to join. The Chalkboard app is super cool. It has a live scoreboard of games going on right this second, so if we're chalking in the group chat about college football or NFL, and a big play happens, a big touchdown happens, you'll see a score scoreboard live on your screen right away it has sportsbook integration so you can integrate all of your sports betting accounts to track all of your bets real time and see trends but first and foremost it is the absolute best way to engage and discuss with discuss sports with peers so not only me but people within my community i have a lot of fun over there i try to join join and talk in it every single day if you're watching this on youtube go to the links in the description down below to join and if you're audio only visit backseat coach on tiktok or instagram to find links to join I often chime in on Chalkboard and ask people for TikTok ideas, Q&As, video ideas. And I, I really love seeing what everyone's opinions are on some breaking news in the sports world or what have you. So go go join my board today. Download Chalkboard. Join the Backseat Coach board. And I hope to talk to you there. But week zero is just two days away, ladies and gentlemen. The SCBS SEC theme song is going to be back. You're going to be sitting on your couch watching Alabama versus Texas A&M before you know it. You're going to be under the... Saturday night lights watching USC versus Utah. You're going to be waking up early for Big Ten kickoff on Fox watching Ohio State pummel Nebraska. It's it's here. It's coming. Week zero is coming. And, I mean, I hyped up all those games, but those aren't happening week zero. Week, week zero, to be frank with you, it's a pretty weak, weak slate. But we're going to go over it. There's no top 25 games, but football is back nonetheless, so I don't want to see any of you complaining. I don't want to see any of you say these games are mid. I don't want to see any of you saying... These games are boring, lame, what have you. We have been celibate from football for too long. The USFL was a fever dream that I don't even think happened. I don't even know if it was a real thing or that's just a simulation. So for all I'm concerned, since February and the Super Bowl and the Rams winning, we have not watched any competitive football. Week zero is here. The most elite game, my favorite game, the most exciting game to watch has to be Nebraska versus Northwestern. We're kicking off Big Ten play immediately in Week 0, and the game is in Dublin, Ireland. How exciting and incredible is that going to be, watching these two programs play in a new stadium, new country, Dublin, Ireland. Nebraska is favored by 13 for this game. I have a lot of faith in Nebraska to start this season off with a bang. They have a lot of expectations coming in. Scott Frost, make-or-break season. But the biggest thing is Nebraska... I'm not going to say the best. I'm going to say arguably. They have arguably the best and the most strongest alumni network in the entire country for any college. And the, like Nebraska fans are so devoted, so devout. Every single city I've ever gone to, a major city, always has Nebraska bars, Nebraska fans everywhere I look. So I think that crowd's going to travel way more than Northwestern. Northwestern fans 
they casually watch football, but their number one job, if you're a Northwestern graduate, is probably like managing a hedge fund or being some very successful lawyer or something. You're too busy with like real world successful jobs to be watching football. So keep going doing that. We need you as like, you know, nurses and doctors. I just watched the big sick and, you know, they said Northwestern was the number one rated hospital in Chicago. So good job Northwestern, but Nebraska fans are going to be traveling a lot better for that game. I think it's going to be mostly Nebraska fans over there in Ireland. I think it's going to be an electric atmosphere. It's so fun. I'm really hoping to get someone from Northwestern that I know on the pod to talk. And I really want to hear his thoughts on how it went playing it, playing it overseas in Ireland. But I think that's game's going to be pretty clear-cut. I have Nebraska winning that one. Another Big Ten team's kicking off their, their season play. Illinois versus Wyoming. If you saw last episode of the podcast, I have Illinois as the lowest-ranked team in the Big Ten. I don't expect much out of them this season. Wyoming, I think, is a, is a solid Mountain West team. Illinois is favored by 11 here. I would be weary of that. I would see North, Wyoming could potentially even pull off an upset, but I think Wyoming plus 11 might be a nice bet there. Um, I, I just really don't expect Illinois to do much this season. And, I, and on the flip side, like I just don't think Wyoming is some run that Illinois can just run over easily. The only other slate I really have at the top of my mind in terms of being an interesting game is Vanderbilt versus Hawaii or Hawaii. Vanderbilt is an eight point favorite. Uh, so you know what? Props to Vanderbilt for scheduling this game. Week zero, Vanderbilt is the only SEC team playing. So what does that mean? They have a strong chance if they don't blow it, which is a totally possibility. They're on the road in Hawaii for this game. But if Vanderbilt wins, they will be first place in the SEC for football, something they Nebraska students and Nebraska current football players will take to their grave. They were number one in the SEC in 2022 for at least one week. Week zero, Vanderbilt Commodores are here to try and be a number one team in the SEC. They're favored by eight points. Uh, similar to Illinois, I don't know. I don't think I, Hawaii is a team that the worst team in – the SEC is just going to run over by over a touchdown, especially since it's in Hawaii. So I kind of like Hawaii there, to be honest. And I think they could win it outright. But speaking of that, I'm I'm going to be tracking my picks every single week. So I'm going to keep a running total. And this week for week zero, I'm going to do five official picks. I'll probably do more for our other weeks. But this is a very light slate and a lot of group of five teams that are just not really that great. So didn't want to throw out too many picks and jeopardize in week zero my betting record for the season. But I have five picks here that we're going to start tracking. I have Nebraska minus 13. I think the crowd's going to be elite. I think Nebraska has a lot to prove this season. They're going to do it with a blowout win, starting out Big Ten play by beating Northwestern. So Nebraska minus 13. I have Wyoming plus 11. I just don't have faith in Illinois this season. I think they're going to be the worst team in the Big Ten. And I think Wyoming is an underrated team in the Mountain West. So I have Wyoming maybe even winning that game outright. But we're just going to say plus 11. They're going to cover the spread. I just don't see Illinois beating anyone by 10-plus points. I like Hawaii plus eight. I think Vanderbilt is good, the worst team in the SEC. And I don't know. I just, I just don't see them winning by over a touchdown going over the pond to Hawaii and playing that game against the – are they still the Rainbow Warriors or did they change that? What is their name even these days? But we always love Hawaii football because they're always a very, very late night game. So when you're all your bets are down and you're losing, you can count on Hawaii plus eight in order to bring you back to life with the latest game of the slate. But if that's not enough, if you're down way too many units and you need another play, I also have for my official picks Hawaii versus Vanderbilt under 53.5 points. So I like the under there. I think Vanderbilt team, maybe they'll travel there early since it's week zero, but flying all the way to Hawaii, changing time zones all the way from Tennessee. I think they're going to be a little groggy. I think they're not going to be that great offensively to put up enough points, but I still think that the SEC talent on defense, while they're not going to be good, they're still going to be enough to be able to handle Hawaii. I really don't see that game going over 53.5 points. That's my fourth official pick. And then my fifth pick, 
The latest I checked, North Texas and UTEP is a pick 'em. It's it's in El Paso, but I have the team from Denton, the North Texas Mean Green, winning money line at UTEP. I think UTEP is going to be one of the poorer teams in the entire nation in terms of all the 130 D1 teams. I think they're going to be near the bottom. Whereas North Texas, I think, is going to be a strong team. They're going to be a mean, green football machine this year and get me that money line. North Texas beating UTEP. There are my five picks. Nebraska minus 13, Wyoming plus 11, Hawaii plus 8, Hawaii Vanderbilt under 53.5 points, and North Texas money line at UTEP. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. The episode is under an hour, unless I just drag on here for four minutes, but we got through it. That was a packed slate. We covered a lot of content, and I feel like I did well getting you fully prepared for the college football season that is just days away. Next episode is going to be next Tuesday, so make sure you hit that follow button on Spotify or, or Apple Podcasts. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube because next week we will be recapping week zero of college football, talking about how I'm 5-0 and my bets and I'm just a genius. We'll be doing a full NFL playoff preview. Who are my seven seeds in the AFC and the NFC? And who do I think is going to win each round, make it to the NFC and AFC Championship, and ultimately win the Super Bowl? And I'm also going to predict for the NFL my preseason award predictions. I'm going to try to maybe get a guest to co-host that episode with me to talk about the NFL, but we'll have to wait and see. I'll try my best to get a guest. But once again, reminder, this episode is brought to you by PrizePix, Run Your Pool, and Chalkboard. By Run Your Pool, Pool starts in two days for college football, so make sure you go join. Link it in the description. Chalkboard, come talk to me. Come join my group chat. Prize picks, get that 100% match up to $100. But we are at 57 minutes, and it is time to wrap up the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Provide me any feedback you have down below, and I will see you on Tuesday.